0: This is the Sebed Daily Text Strategic Obscurity and the Glory of God first Kings seventeen twenty two to twenty four. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said. Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Consider this. This is the way from glory to glory. This is such a strange way to save the world. Why in the face of a natural disaster, a national calamity, a crashing economy, and certain tragic loss of life, why does God put his chief agent in hiding with a widow of dubious reputation to seemingly wait out the storm? Or lack thereof, as was the case, while taking exquisite care of her in a way that is of seemingly no consequence to anyone or anything else going on. I struggle to make sense of it. Sure, I can read it from below, i.e., with my own life and present challenges in the center of the frame. And settle for the cheap and easy refrigerator magnet. God will make a way when there seems to be no way. Or, look what God did for this widow. Imagine what he can do for me. I can just settle to interpret it as a God flex. We are learning to read from above. We're doing our best to read with God in the center of the frame. What is God seeing and sensing, thinking and feeling, saying and doing? This path of going from glory to glory requires this majorly massive shift in us. It is a shift that does not happen all at once, but by degrees. It is the shift of learning to interpret life and the world and all its unfolding from God's frame of reference and not from our own very limited point of view. This is the work of decentering, or getting ourselves out of the center of the story. I like how Isaiah tees it up. And I'll quote him with a bit of length here. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire." and achieve the purpose for which I sent it, Isaiah 55, 8-11. If you were tempted to skip over that text, please accept my gentle rebuke and go back and read it now. And if you read it, I want you to read it again, this time aloud and with emphasis. This is a life text For my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Speaking of a strange way to save the world, none of this was lost on Jesus, who said the following in the synagogue in his hometown after which they promptly escorted him to the city limits, i.e. the cliff. Luke 4, I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And three chapters later, we get this. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, A dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier they were carrying him on, and the bear stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Decentering. We're on to something here. It means shifting from why is this happening to me to what are you doing, Lord? What are you seeing and sensing, thinking and feeling, saying and doing? What are your thoughts? What are your ways? What is your word? What are your purposes? I'm learning to cease trying to figure it all out as though it could be figured out. I am learning to simply behold this God and be in awe. This is the way from glory to glory. The prayer. Abba Father, what looks to be an obscure and confounding story turns out to be one for the ages. Indeed, lifted up by your Son Jesus Himself. To say it is a prominent story in the history of the world would be a gross understatement. So obscure and so prominent. Holy Spirit, would you ponder these things within us? Would you decenter us from the story of us? Would you show us our seat to the side where we can learn to see? No, to behold you in the center of the story and delight in our own strategic obscurity. Something tells me this place is where we find our part. Praying in Jesus' name. Amen. The question Decentering. How do you resonate with this thought? Have you realized the more we try to decenter the more we actually entrench ourselves in the center? What if the only way we can decenter is to get our eyes on someone else? To become so fixed on another that we forget ourselves? What if this is the essence of how be transformed works? For the awakening. I'm J.D. Walt.